This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. Well, I appreciated the way you treated my daughter and three grandchildren last week. You were very gracious to them. And I had the sad job of taking them to Cincinnati Airport on Friday. And it was tough. This actually happened. I know it sounds very self-serving or whatever, but I took them to the place where it says passengers only at Cincinnati Airport. Some of you have been there and you know what I'm talking about. And nobody can go beyond that unless you've got a ticket. And so I said, kids, this is it. They started climbing on me like three cats climb a tree. They, they really did. And it was just, just climbed up on me and, oh, Papa, we love you. We're going to miss you and so forth and so on. And people were really taken back by it. And so I, I didn't, you know, just said, okay. And then I put them down and then patted them on their heads and we prayed together and then they left. And a woman just had a look of disdain as I walked by her, like she was not approving of that, you know, that display of demonstrative display. And I said, hey, I just met them. They were hitchhiking on I-75. And I, what could I do? And I took them to the airport and they just were showing their appreciation. And she said, yeah, right. So I appreciate you letting me tell one more story. And I, I promise you, I won't tell another grandchildren's story until next Sunday. So that's, uh, <laughs> don't worry about it. Well, it was 15 years ago, believe it or not. I had no idea it was that long ago. 2004, when Mel Gibson released his movie called The Passion. Just out of curiosity, how many of you saw the movie The Passion? Believe it or not, and this is not any judgmental statement on my part at all. I was thrilled that people went to see it. Annie and I chose not to see it. I, I cannot stand to watch stylized violence. You say, what's stylized violence? I can watch a documentary about World War II or the Korean War or whatever and in black and white films, and I, can, I don't like it, but I can watch it. But I can't watch violence that's acted out, that's stylized. Can't, couldn't see Saving Private Ryan. It's just too, too much stylized violence. And so we chose not to see the movie, The Passion of Christ, because for this reason, one minister who saw it said it was two hours of the cross and the brutality placed upon Jesus. Two hours and then two minutes about the resurrection. And I've been told that Mel Gibson supposedly wants to have a follow-up movie about the resurrection. But let me tell you something. I'm so glad that people were introduced to the most important event in history, the death and resurrection of Christ, maybe for the first time. And I've heard stories of people who said seeing the passion was the tipping point in their conversion to Christ. And I believe that. But in fairness, Gibson didn't tell the whole story. His focus was on the passion. He needed to focus, of course, on the resurrection, which he at least he covered that for two minutes, that the one who died walked out of a grave alive. And because one grave is empty, we have hope. 
Because one grave is empty, you and I can get up in the morning and face life and face death because, because he lives. Because he lives. Well, this is the last message I'm giving from the Gospel of Mark. We start a new series next week from the Old Testament book of Joshua. It's entitled, Success in Whose Eyes? You may be successful, but in whose eyes are you successful? Hopefully the Lord's eyes. Our website is crossover.org. George sang about written in red, talking about the cross, and he's right for this reason. So many ministers over the years, I've heard them, have said the reason the cross happened was to demonstrate the brutality and the inhumanity of man. I don't agree with that. I'd be the first to say, wrong. The cross didn't happen just to demonstrate the inhumanity of man. we got plenty of ways to demonstrate that. The cross happened to prove the love of Christ and the love of God. That's why. His love was written in red. It was to prove the love of Christ. Today, the last message in the Mark series, as we look at the cross, you say, why aren't you going to talk about the resurrection next week? We did from Mark, Easter Sunday. So Mark 15, beginning at verse 25. And I want to set the passage up this way. I have a tendency to over-explain. Some of you are like that too, where you talk too much when you explain something. I heard a man who went to Normandy, the cemetery in Normandy, and he said there was a man standing next to him, he never met him before, who wanted to explain to him everything about the cemetery and finally said, hey, just let me take it in. Just let me look at it. Let me absorb it. I don't need somebody to explain every little detail to me. I know what this is about. Just let me absorb it and take it in. And I'm going to read a passage today that in a sense needs no commentary. You don't need me to explain every cross, T, and dotted I in this. You just listen. It stands on its own two feet. I'm beginning at Mark 15, verse 25. It was the third hour, nine o'clock in the morning, when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews... They crucified two robbers with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priest and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. Can you imagine mocking somebody who's dying? That's what they did. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At the sixth hour, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour from noon to three. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. 
And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. Surely this man was the Son of God. What you believe about the cross of Jesus Christ has to do, get this, with your eternity. I'm not interested in your theological views any more than you're interested in my theological views. What matters is what do you believe about the cross? And I would add to that, what do you believe about the resurrection? What you believe about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ will impact how you treat your wife, your husband, your children, your parents, your work associates, everybody. It impacts everything about your life is what do you believe about this event called the cross of Jesus Christ? I want to tell you one powerful story told by a Catholic author by the name of Gary Wills. He's a historian. He wrote a book about Gettysburg. Any Civil War historians out there, you need to read his book, Lincoln and Gettysburg. It's a famous book on, the, on Gettysburg. In the book, What Jesus Meant, he says that so many ministers believe this idea that the cross is to illustrate the inhumanity of man. And he said, I'm, I don't agree with that. He said, perhaps the cross is God's way of saying that no matter what the horrors we face, or what hells we descend to, he's coming with us. And he illustrates it with a powerful personal story about his son. His young son woke up with a violent nightmare one night. There are a lot of children who have nightmares. Some of you may have grown up with nightmares. There are some children that have what are called night terrors that are worse than nightmares. His young son woke up with a violent nightmare. And when Wills asked him, son, what's wrong? What happened? What's troubling you in your sleep? He told them that one of the nuns in his school had told the children that they would end up in hell if they sinned. And my son asked me, lying in bed, am I going to hell, Dad? Am I going to hell? And I thought Gary Wills answered with the love of a father. It was instinctive. He said, I don't know how biblical it was what I said, but he said, I just answered instinctively. Here's what he said. All I can say, son, is if you're going there, I'm going with you. If you're going to hell, I'm going with you. He answered that as a loving, caring father. I was touched by that. A tear came to my eye when I read that. I understood what he was saying. Whatever you're going to go through as your dad, I'm going with you. I'm going to go through it with you. And the cross is about that, that Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, said, I'm going with you. I'm going to go through the horrors that you face. Whatever hells you descend to, I'm going with you. That's what the cross is about, written in red, written in red. It's interesting. Will Williman is a theologian today. He's an author. He's a church historian is what I would call him from, I think, North Carolina. And he was talking about in some of the most successful, fastest growing mega churches in America. You know what he's observed? No crosses. Crosses don't sell. Crosses aren't popular. We don't want to depress people with an image of the cross in the sanctuary or the worship center or whatever they call their meeting room. And he said, it's a tragedy. 
We've taken away the cross, and the only cross that sells are the gold crosses around somebody's neck in a jewelry store. He said that those sell as an item of gold jewelry. What sells is success, personal empowerment, strength, winning. No crosses, please. No crosses, please. And yet it's the cross. It's the cross that is the proof of the love of God. It's the cross that's the proof of forgiveness of sins. It's the cross that's the proof that God says, no matter whatever you go through in life, I'm there with you. Why? The cross. Whatever death experience you go through, I'm with you. Why? The cross. The cross is the paycheck for everything we have to go through. When someone says, God can't understand what I'm going through, he does. What's the proof? The cross. The cross proves everything about the Lord. Well, part four of this message from Mark 15 tomorrow on CrossHope. Our website is crosshope.org. That's crosshope.org. Walter Phillips was a minister from Australia working on his PhD at a seminary when a minister friend from the United States came up to him and started ranting and raving that the cross was about the cruelty of man. He said, I hate that, that we have to study the cross and we have to preach and proclaim the cross. And this minister from Australia, Walter Phillips, said, I disagree with you. It's not about what happened to Jesus. It's what God has done for us, he said. It's all about what God has done for us through the cross. And then he said this, I've, I've never heard anyone say these words this way. So it is, a love that comes to be with us and how to live our lives and somehow takes our sin on himself. A love that somehow lays down life itself and promises that in love we are safe forever. We stand under it. Listen to this. We stand under it even if we don't understand it. We stand under it even if we don't understand it. He says we stand under it and quietly sing, we're the whole realm of nature mine. That we're a present far too small. Love so amazing, love so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. When I survey the wondrous cross. That's the lyric, in case you recognized it. He's absolutely Right. We stand under the cross even if we don't understand it. I want to point out a few things about this passage and then close with an illustration. Notice the mockery of Jesus in verse 31. In the same way the chief priest and the teachers of the law mocked Jesus among themselves, he saved others, but he can't save himself. Let this Christ, this King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on it. I want to point this out. If anyone ever mocks you because of your faith, you're in good company. anyone mocks you because you stand for Jesus Christ on a moral issue, you stand for the Bible on godly issues, remember, they mocked Jesus dying on the cross, and the one who was mocked dying on a cross, get this, stands with you. The mocked 
Jesus stands with you when you take a stand for him. And so when you think, well, man, it's just not popular to be a Christian in 2019, you're absolutely right. It never has been. You know, I don't agree with the notion that back in the 50s, it was great, 1950s. It, it may have been in some circles, but in every generation, there are people, have been and will be people, who mock Jesus Christ. And they are people who don't realize that their mockery is self-condemnation. Think about this for a minute. If somebody were to save your life out of a fire, a burning building, and the whole time they were making their efforts to get you and to put the ladder up to the house, and you're making fun of them, <laughs> look at that, that is so stupid. You would be mocking the very person that was trying to save you. You see my point is that's what people do in the United States of America. And in the world, they mock the very one who gave his life for them. Well, I want you to hear the conclusion of this message tomorrow on CrossHope. That's CrossHope.org. One word, CrossHope.org. There was a theologian from Switzerland years ago by the name of Karl Barth, B-A-R-T-H. He's part of what's called the German Confessing Church. The German Confessing Church was the Lutheran church that believed in Jesus and stood for Jesus and did not agree with the, the, the Nazism movement that was going on. And there are people that think he was liberal, he, he was conservative. I've heard people you know, talk about him different ways. It doesn't matter because of one thing he said. You know, I, I'm a person who remembers one thing a person said, and that just jogged my thinking. What's the one thing you say that people will quote? For some of you, it's embarrassing. It really is. Because we use phrases and phraseology that in light of eternity is so stupid and so meaningless. What do you use all the time? But there's one thing that Karl Barth said that overrules anything that he said in his books about theology. You ready for it? Here it is. He was asked one time what the primary job of a preacher was. And I thought, boy, this is an opportunity for this big theologian to wax eloquent about what he thinks a preacher should do. And do you know what he said? He held up his hand like this. He said, the number one job of a preacher is to point to the cross. Wow. I need to hear that as a minister. The number one job of a minister is to point to the cross. Everything else pales. Everything else is meaningless compared to the cross. I want to leave you with the last verses I read. Verse 38, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Here's my point. I can't prove it, but here it is. Something happened to the centurion who was in charge of 100 Roman soldiers when he saw Jesus die, that something happened in his spirit. Something clicked. This man is the Son of God. When did that moment happen for you? 
When did that moment in time happen in your life where you realized Jesus is the Son of God? I want to suggest to you that it's an act of God and it's an act of the Spirit of God. An act of the Spirit of God for this reason. Coming to Christ is an inside job. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. You say, what do you mean by that? I hear you use that phrase, Randy. It's nothing that happens intellectually, ultimately. It's nothing that happens psychologically, as even though psychology is involved in every part of our life. It's not something we learn educationally. You come to Christ through the Spirit of God. Paul said in Corinthians, no man or woman calls Jesus Lord except by the Spirit of God. Do you understand what that means? No man or woman calls Jesus Lord except by the Spirit of God. Here it is, and I'll leave you with this. The Holy Spirit of God speaks to your spirit in a private conversation. And the light goes off like it did with the centurion. This man is the Son of God. And when you come to that realization, guess what? Nothing is the same. Nothing in your life is ever the same when Jesus Christ becomes the Lord of your life. Remember that. Embrace that. Because it's the most important decision in a man or woman's life, young person's life, when they say, he is who he claimed to be. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener-supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries, Incorporated.